0: Welcome to episode four of the Functional Podcast. I'm Naudi Aguilar, and uh, I know I haven't been that consistent in terms of the podcasting guys, but you kind of have to bear with me because um, I'm not a professional speaker. I actually have a lot of different things to attend to, and this is just kind of a, it's extracurricular. And if if I'm not spending my time trying to just get projects done, uh, having some pretty intense conversations about things, uh, I'm usually... uh, doing something I guess kind of artistically if I'm not doing something biomechanical I'm training somebody my my life is kind of complicated and so I don't always have uh the energy to do this and I think if I drank coffee that would probably help me a lot I think coffee itself would be like a a huge help but I already know the detriments of drinking coffee and it's one of the main reasons people do drink coffee they essentially do it to I guess keep their um their cortisol dependency going. They use coffee to kind of help them get through the days. And on my end, like my whole life is about trying to um, organize the way I do things so that I have the energy to step up and do a podcast like this. And so I, I, I prefer, and right now it's nighttime. I have a light source right here beaming on me. And so I obviously have to be aware of that. But part of how I'm going to deal with that problem Is by having this uh, fire source in front of me. Uh, I think this time around I'll be better. There might be a little bit of smoke in the beginning. But as time passes. I think uh, I should be okay. Anyway. I wanted to get into uh, the topic of. Kind of like finding the energy. To to go through your days. Because I think this is one thing that people don't talk about. I remember a, a while back. I had made a post on social media. You know, like every once in a while, you'll make a post on social media and it's kind of like a defining aspect of your beliefs and that defining aspect of your beliefs doesn't coincide with certain peoples of your crew or people that are around you or people in your community. And uh, one of those uh, things related specifically to coffee and people not being motivated by their job and then on top of that, not being well organized with their their life and how they needed coffee uh, as a crutch. My, as I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast, is that uh, my objective in life is to create the, the balance necessary. That if I get good sleep at night, essentially that's going to enable me to, to to do more things without the need to fall back on a crutch like coffee. Because I've asked people have asked me about this whole thing. Like, what's your what's your take on coffee? There's a lot of people who sell different types of coffee. They mix them with nutrients and. Uh, whatever antioxidants, all this stuff, that there's health benefits with coffee, and that there's studies to suggest that coffee's beneficial for for you and whatnot. And I'm like, you know, I, I can't help but think if the scientists that <laughs> conducted those studies uh, happen to drink coffee themselves and whether they you know are potentially a bit biased coming into it because, you know, coffee is kind of what helps them get through their days because they don't know how to organize themselves. They don't know they don't know how to, Cultivate energy with their body because they're they're fighting against their body instead of working with it. So, um, from my perspective, the reason I don't believe in drinking coffee is because, I mean, I, I don't I just don't think organisms should trick themselves into into I guess we shouldn't we shouldn't when it comes to something like energy production we shouldn't have to rely upon an exogenous supply of uh, an exogenous stimulant to trigger us to make energy. You can't borrow energy from tomorrow and expect that it's going to help you in the future. At, at some point, you're going to crash and burn. It, the coffee drinking is going to impede your sleep. Coffee itself is to some extent, uh, it, it, to some extent, will dehydrate you. It, 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 anytime I drink it, I end up wanting to pee like crazy. Um, anytime I drink it, I always feel more anxious. I always feel more stressed. There, there's a whole slew of things that come with coffee that I just don't think are uh, advantageous. But that goes not just for coffee, but it goes for everything. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, Pablo, isn't it kind of like how it works? It's like when you think about it, like people, in, in order to find energy in the morning, what do people do? They drink coffee, right? And then in the evening time, what do they do? Drink coffee or drink wine? Yeah, drink wine uh, to unwind or, the, you know, spark up a doob and then try and get sleep that way. It seems to be like the constant habit is that people are like, okay, I've they're, they're playing uh, chemistry with their body, um, and they're they're not going about it in a way that I think is like satisfactory. Like th- there was a lo- a long time ago, I read the book Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. I think it had to have been like ten or eleven years ago. I was intro- introduced to it by a guy that I used to train under, and he. Um, he wound up uh, introducing me to this idea of stress, like stress metabolism, all those things. And I w- and he said, you know, read this book by Robert Sapolsky uh, called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. So if you guys are watching this podcast right now, many of you ask me, like, what are books that you recommend, Now, And I always tell them that's a great book. It's a great source to understand kind of ourselves, to understand what's going on in our body and how we relate to stress. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um. I read this book and there's a certain part of it and I, I I don't know what happened. I don't know what, what I gathered from that because, because this, this same individual that I, that I, uh, used to train under, he, he read this book, but then he didn't, he didn't gather like a fundamental lesson in it. And for me, I'm a fundamentalist with everything that I do. I always think about, okay, well, is, is that principle that I'm being taught fundamental or not? I'm always going back to that. And so I think about how, um, at that time, he had me like on a supplement stack where before I would go to sleep, I'd be taking like glutamine, arginine, uh, melatonin, all these things. Uh, and the, the glutamine and arginine and the, and the amino acid things that he had me taking before bed to trigger a parasympathetic response was okay. But what I what I had a problem with was with, was with things like tryptophan, which it c- kind of can trigger inflammation on the body and it's not a, probably the best thing to take before you go to sleep. And then the melatonin, like he couldn't put these two things together, and when he told me to read why zebras don't get ulcers, there was a fundamental part of it, and I, I don't remember uh, the the I believe it would be the the neurobiological uh, like the anatomical and the physiological aspects of it because I'm not like I don't read books anymore I've kind of quit reading books I, I I I pop into books here and there but I I realize that books don't have solutions for problems most of the time they kind of just have like ideas which I think are which I think is good but um. What, what I gathered from, uh, from why zebras don't get ulcers was this, this idea that this concept that the brain is what tells your hormones what to do, that the brain before anything happens, triggers your physiological responses. It's kind of like the it's like the, the, the hub that gives you direction in life. and that what people are doing is they take substances and then the substance communicates to your physiological systems that then communicates to the brain to then tell the brain to tell the body what to do. And it seems like everybody, through the use of exogenous substances, whether that's uh, steroids, testosterone replacement therapy, coffee, the use of alcohol, marijuana, whatever, when, when they're doing those things, they're kind of skipping steps in terms of how we're supposed to operate physiologically. And so on my end, when I saw that way back in the day, I was like, hmm, it's almost like there's a chemical component to... Uh, to our physiology, I guess, or to our existence. And there's an electrical component because I know that the nervous system has like electricity running through it. And I was like, huh? So it seemed like there's electrical components and there's chemical components. At that time, I was like, well, I can't really drink coffee. And every once in a while I would maybe get into it. But the second I read that part of that book, I was like, wait a minute. I need to recalibrate the way that I'm doing things because this doesn't really the way I'm doing things doesn't make sense. If I drink uh, caffeine, I am essentially adding an extra step to get my brain to do, to then signal to my body what it needs to do in relation to specific situations. It didn't make any sense to me. So, from a neurobiological standpoint, the way that Robert Sapolsky explained it, it made all the sense in the world. So, you see people taking antidepressants, you see people doing all these drugs, and why do they end up having to like kind of reach for all these in all these directions in hopes? That they are going to like find uh, like I guess some kind of balance, mainly because their life is imbalanced. They live dysfunctionally. If you have a dysfunctional lifestyle, fundamentally, you're going to start having to reach for the ayahuasca and the mushrooms and all these different places be- and and the crazy diets and the cleanses and all this stuff, because ultimately your brain isn't mechanized. If you guys look at the logo, if you guys look at the the the, the intro to this podcast, you'll notice at the beginning of it. you'll see a tensegrity structure and that the tensegrity structure is slowly actually spreading into the brain. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to mechanize the brain so that it can give adequate instructions to the body on what it needs to do. But the, the strange thing that I, that I gather from it is, the question comes down to is, what's controlling what? Is the body controlling the brain or is the brain controlling the body? Which one happens first? And how, does that, how do they interface with one another? And what I'm learning is that uh, they both have influence on each other substantially. But I think at the body, like I, I think the fascia itself, our muscles themselves, based upon how they're structured, have a lot to do with how we make our decisions in life. If uh, and I and I and I haven't researched this, it's been about three, four years since I researched it. But there was a TED talk where this guy was talking about how our fascia essentially, essentially through these microtubules directly taps into our nuclear genes meaning that like these grav this gravitational sensor this fascia probably is what's talking to our nuclear genes and telling genes how to express and so the question comes down to it, it's like does that trigger does that have even more impact in the nervous system itself because it has like direct communication with the cells immediately whereas there has to be some kind of a delay if there's and keep this in mind, guys, I'm thinking out loud, so don't hold me to what I'm saying, but it's I just asked the question that if the brain has to send a signal to the cells and then the cells are going to do what they do, I'm thinking, well, if the fascia goes straight to the cell, that's a direct form of communication. And so when I think about biomechanics, because as you, know, you guys know, I'm very much about biomechanics, I'm thinking that when you program good movement into the body, when you give it the right feedback, when you load the right force vector, that that in some way, because what I'm concerned with is... Uh, creating more functional behaviors is what is altering the way that our brain functions. So then the brain can then tell the body what it needs to do. I feel that the body, especially from a biomechanical standpoint, has a lot more to do with the decisions that we make than what most people would give it credit for. I think if your body, if you happen to be real twitchy and you're always like this, I feel that if you're always in that twitchy state, that your brain can't really make any uh, good decisions. I feel that if the tone of your voice, which I have struggles with, and I'm I'm actually allowing myself to maybe, I might make those changes right now. Uh, So you guys might notice my voice is a little bit different. You'll see me deviate back to what I normally speak like. Uh, I'm not forcing this. This actually feels more correct based upon the changes I'm making on my body. But I feel that if I have a voice that's more uh, compatible with my body, some people have higher pitches, uh, higher tones. Some people have lower tones. But I think everybody's got a tone that seems to be adequate with their body. I feel that if I can master that tone, which is, a, which is primarily a pressurization-oriented thing from, the, from, our, uh, from our transverse abdominis and our diaphragm, that that will have a lot to do with, uh, with our behavior in terms of how I'm responding to stress, how I'm responding to stimuli on a regular basis. Um, the body has a lot to do with what's going on. And so going back to the whole coffee thing, coffee and as, a, as a stimulant doesn't really uh, account for any of that. You, you, if you drink coffee, you're not getting at the source of your problems. You're just really just, again, peeling at the layers of what's going on. So that's kind of uh, my struggle is how do I organize myself to be able to produce the energy To be able to change my body. Many have asked me recently. Like now do you know you've made some pretty big transformations on your body. Your face has made some transformations. Your body's made some transformations. How are you doing all this? I've had some people actually accuse me of taking steroids. I don't take steroids. I don't need to. What I do is I organize my life. I organize my thoughts in a way. That enables me to not need something like that to get by. The reason I have this fire in front of me right now. And the reason like I'm. I'm actually going to be, uh, you guys may, hopefully can't hear my neighbor's dogs completely going nuts. The reason that we're actually partially outdoors right now, for one, is because it's good for me to be in front of a fire while I have this uh, artificial light source hitting me. But uh, on top of that, uh, what I, what I, um, actually, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. The, the main thing is people have been asking me, Naudi, um, what's the deal? How are, how are you making these changes? What are you doing? Like, what's what's your diet look like? I'm getting that question a lot more these days because people are like, "Oh, look, man, you like you look a lot leaner these days. What's your diet look like?" And ultimately, what it's not—it's never really been about the diet for me. It's always been about what's my brain signaling signaling to my body. Is my brain signaling functional things or is it not? I'm gonna scoot back a little bit, Pablo, because this thing is uh, freaking scorching me right now. Yeah, Jesus, I'm like I'm getting lit up over here, I'm breaking out into some sweat over here. So, uh, am I good over there? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess this is part of the price you pay for um, for trying to balance function with uh, like dealing with the technology and whatnot. So, uh, bear with me, guys. Anyway, I, I'm when people talk about diet, I, I I don't really care that much about diet. Like when, when I make biomechanical changes on my body, I can't eat the same things that I used to. The, the, the punishment that I get for just slightly cheating on my diet is massive. Like for and it's not because I'm getting sick because oftentimes people will have that same conversation of like, you know, when you feel healthy, you never want to go back to eating the way you did before because, you know, you don't want to go back to feeling like crap. It's similar to that. But what I'll say is that it's, it's much, it's different. It's like you'll have a brick in your stomach like days, if you haven't eaten for two days, that brick will still be there. If like, if you've been eating bad, it's like at some point when you develop the communication, when your brain can talk to your body and you're, and you like, imagine you have a relationship with somebody. Imagine you, you have a partner and you abuse that partner every day and you never listen to that partner. Well, what's going to flourish out of that, out of that relationship? If you have two or three children with that person, what's going to flourish from that? Lots and lots of problems with your children because they're probably not going to be adequately raised. And so, in that, in that sense, you not having the capacity to have good conversations with your partner ends up leading to problems later on down the line. And so, when you're not lis- able to listen to your body because you've never learned how to listen to your body, it's going to make it very difficult for, for you to know what it means to nourish yourself. Most people, when they eat, they eat emotionally. At this stage, I don't eat emotionally. I don't, I don't care to eat emotionally. I'm over it. At some point, you get over it, and I believe that the main reason that I've gotten over it is because I'm facilitating mechanical changes on my body that are enabling uh, the process of staying healthy and lean and strong. Uh, it's, I'm making it an automatic. And there's, The funny thing is, you know, I go to the beach out here. I live in Hawaii, so I, I try and make it to the beach as often as I can, at least five days a week. And it, you always see people running at the beach, especially if it's in the morning time. People can't just go to the beach and sit down and do nothing, right? They always got to be running, right? I mean, how often you, you see that pretty often, right, Pablo? Every yeah, so it's like you see it everywhere. Uh, you see it all the time. Uh, <laughs> and so I like look at them and I'm thinking, I know they look at me at these, these days because when your body physically changes and people are just kind of like, damn, what's up with this cat? He's kind of just sitting around, not really working. You know, I'll grab my parable and I'll throw it around and whatnot. But I, I see them working so hard, like straining themselves, going, that doesn't seem right. And I, I knew this a long time ago. I used to tell people this all the time way back in the day. I'd be like, you know, I don't work out that often. I really don't work out that often because that's another question I'm getting right now. Is Naughty, how, how long, how often do you work out throughout the week? And I would say, I mean, how often do you really see me strenuously working out throughout the week, Pablo? Per week, what would you guess? What would you what would you estimate without me putting my biases in? Per week? Yeah. Maybe once? Yeah, but I mean like hours. Oh, in terms of hours? Per week. What do you think? What would you guess that is? In terms of like hard training? One or two? Yeah. Um, Maybe about... It, I see tinkering. I see tinkering, but... Yes. So not as far as like gruesome training and you know, high output. Exactly. Uh, maybe one hour. Yeah. Ben Pablo's around me pretty frequently. I'm not putting in that much hard work. I'm just thinking about economizing my body. When I make things economical and I learn how my tissues work, I shouldn't have to put in more than uh, you know, a couple hours a week of work. But I see these people running up and down and up and down and up and down the wrong way, and I'm thinking there's a smarter way of doing this. And clearly the way that people are going about this is not the right way. It's obviously not the right way. And I, get, I think right now people are starting to probably see the results of what I'm getting with myself and even with the people that I train and that it's like all across the board, you're seeing these changes on people that are substantially better. My objective is to kind of try and sweeten that pot because I feel like the idea of functional, functionality, it, it, it gets scoffed at. And I may have talked about that on prior podcasts, but I'll talk about it again. Um, and I'll probably continue to talk about this. I feel that people think functionality is kind of a joke. It's kind of like, oh, it's a spoof. I remember we used to work with uh, with some athletes, and they'd all be like, oh, hey, uh, you know, they we we had given these athletes in this institution the option to either do functional patterns or do their uh, or do the traditional weight training that would hurt them. And so anytime they would go into the weight room to do functional patterns, they'd be like, huh, I'm gonna go in and be functional. And I'd be like, um, you know, so many times you hear from people be like, you know, I came from a very dysfunctional household, be like, would you like functionality? And you present the functionality to them. And they're like, you know, I I don't think I'm good. Because if you're talking about being functional, how many of the things that I like in my life that, you know, comprise of my personality happen to be dysfunctional? You know, I really enjoy dancing and artistry and singing and being like, all like flimsy. And I like swinging poi and all having all these flames around and and, and dancing in different ways that you know make my SI joint turn into a calcified mess, and so I don't know if I would I want you to take that away from me now. So um, I'll I'll take little bits of functionality, but I need to have my dysfunctional life perspectives intact, uh, so I can like feel special to some extent. Um, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but what I'm setting out to do. It's to show people that everything you would ever want in life comes from just having a functional lifestyle, a functional, not lifestyle, a functional way of living. Because I don't, I think functionality is not a style to live. I don't think there's such a style. When you say there's styles or lifestyles, the reason I don't like using that terminology comes back to that. This is not an art, uh, you know, living optimally is not an art. It's a science. It's, it's a science. It's scientific. And so I think when people try and say, you know what, you got to make a lifestyle change, it's not correct to say it that way. Um, it's one of my pet peeves when people say that. So I say, you know, that functionality is a way of living. And um, everything you would ever want as a human would stem from functionality. That if you want to exceed your potential, you can only do that if you live functionally. If you if you weren't given the, the good gene the good genes... Uh, you're not going to exceed or meet your biological potentials. My, my you know, that's, I'll get into the whole best version of me thing maybe later on in this podcast, but if you want to meet or exceed your biological potential, it has to orient around functionality. It's about understanding the mechanisms of what drive biology to adapt, and you are not going to get that um, from doing things that are dysfunctional. And so that's that's the difficult one of the biggest difficulties that I face and these days it's a lot easier to sell because people see me and they're like wow, you know, you don't have to work out that hard and you're getting shredded and you don't look like you're losing muscle. And you know, as time passes, all the people that are doing like what's what's really what I see a lot these days is you know people that were stallions when they were around the early 30s are start, you're starting to see those wrinkles really settle in. And that's it. that I'm not getting my fair share of wrinkles as well. But when I f- feel my body in space, I only feel myself progressing. I only feel myself moving. Uh, you, you know, you hear that expression where people say, you know, I'm in the best shape of my life. Uh, I mean that from a perspective of I think I could probably jump higher, run faster, punch harder, uh, do things that are more uh, challenging on my body than I ever have before uh, without feeling pain. And that's part of what I mean by saying I'm in the best shape of my life. Um, I don't think most people mean that. Most people think, oh, I'm in the best shape of my life. Oh, my cardio is good. I'll go run five miles and destroy my joints in the process. And uh, and I'll and and I feel like I'm quote unquote in shape to be able to deal with that. That's not what I mean by it. Um, I, I I hopefully in the future people kind of get that lesson and they're like, uh, and they see that you know there's. There's lots and lots of rewards when it comes to, you know, living functionally. One of the non-rewards, but I, I mean, it's not that it's not a non-reward or anything, is like sometimes of trying to orient yourself around, like, you guys noticed I'm in front of a fire. I, I told you guys, you know, like, I get myself in front of a fire to mitigate the damages that could be coming from that light source that's coming from over there so I can be on the camera, like, and, and look decent. Um, humans adapted debris around fire. I believe that we have a uh, a biological connect connection to fire. Uh, red light therapy is all the craze, and this is the most integrated. The problem with red light therapy that I see is that if you're taking isolated forms of infrared light and isolated forms of red light or near infrared light, is that you're you're taking you're isolating something that's in our reality, and you're trying to you're trying to duplicate nature, but you're going to fail doing that. Me having this fire here uh, actually enables me to uh, essentially like just extract what's in nature. And that's, that's helping me uh, like get this. Um, how do I put it? it? It's helping me take all those anti-inflammatory benefits and put them into my body. But then the, the qualm with that, the problem is that sometimes you end up kind of sweaty. You end up looking like I'm, I'm now in front of this camera and I'm sweating. Like if I was in front of a sauna and I feel great. Uh, but sometimes, you know, functionality does that. It takes away kind of some of the vanity so to speak, um, of life. And on my end, like, if I didn't have to, uh, look good, like if, if I, if I could, uh, how would, how would I put it? If functionality required me to not look, uh, particularly attractive, I probably wouldn't care that much. Let me actually fill this thing up, Pablo. Oof, I am getting a, breaking into a good sweat. I guess this is just be like what I do. I'll be known as a guy who uh, who sweats on his podcast. So I'll break I'll break my sweats on a podcast. Probably get a nice little plume of smoke right now, but it should get going here pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, functionality has great benefits. It does have great benefits living this way, and my intent is to sell those benefits as a. Uh, as well as I can. Let me see if I can speed up the process of this thing uh, heating up so we don't have a big plume of smoke in front of that camera. But it's already it's already getting going pretty well. Yeah. What was the re- what was a common topic that we got today, Pablo? What was it when I sent you those questions? What was one of those things that popped up? Yeah, I already covered that. There was another thing. You know, there was a, one question that stood out to me. This person said, "You know, Naudi, uh, what if I if I dabbled into another method and I kind of got you know th- one thing that's really difficult. Well, I'll go into two different parts because I remember these two questions. Every time I, before I start the podcast, I always think about okay, there, what are the topics that I could uh, address that seem to be the most relevant to my community? Well. One of the questions was, uh, and Pablo, if you can help me remember this as I'm, as I'm talking about it, because I'm, I'm, you already know how I am, and I'm a bit scattered in, during these conversations. Um, one of the questions was, I, I, where do you see functional patterns in 10 years or something like that? And uh, what, can I, what can we do to help you uh, get it to grow faster? Yeah. That was one question. And on my end, I don't know where functional patterns are going to be in 10 years. I'm not sure. I'm assuming it should be around still because it's a system that really solves problems, but um, there's a lot of fringe. The The problem is that when somebody sees something like functional patterns and it builds a following and it gains notoriety, you see people who are thinking, hmm, I see a business opportunity there. You see the, the the fitness industry novelty machine vultures begin to pop in and say, you know what, how do I profiteer off of this? They don't necessarily have a, a great interest in Trying to actually like solve problems with people or help them with their certain situations, like which is what I would, which is pretty much the the direction that I've gone in my career. Um, they have more concerns strictly with profit, and I understand, you know, businesses got to make money, all that stuff. But um, the going back to the the question that the person asked me, they said, "How can we help?" Well, I would say first and foremost, don't allow yourself to get sucked in by the by the vultures, right? That we, we have a trickle-down economic system and ultimately most people think that uh, the trickle-down will I guess in my community for the for the demographics that I've essentially created that uh, the trickle-down comes from me and so I, I would say the best thing you can do is not get involved with the with the vultures don't get involved with the vultures and with that said and what I mean by vultures is people who are like talking like they're doing FP, but they really aren't. It's like you already know they have their their lifestyle. They'll talk about certain aspects of biomechanics, but you know their lifestyles, lifestyles, their ways of living. They're, no, actually, no, that's correct. But their lifestyle, because they think that their life is an art, um, does not fit functional parameters. And so you'll see these people who, uh, who come in to my... Domain, and they say, You know what? Let me take little bits and pieces of what this person does and then see if I can make my own certification course, or let me see if I make my own online course, or let me. Uh, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you're in my community, just look around. You can look around at IG. I don't look at it anymore. Okay. Occasionally it pops up, and I just say, Hey, dude, keep me out of the drama. I don't want to get involved. All I'll just say is, Don't get yourself involved. If, if another system is not getting the results that we are, if they're not as good, then I would strongly suggest not taking part in those things if you want to see this company grow oftentimes what ends up happening with uh, with fringe groups or with 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 uh, with movements is that within the movement itself you end up seeing fringe groups pop up within it and it ends up diluting the message and so if the message can be unified around getting results which is what I'm about which is the actual hard work we might end up being able to uh, to like, get this thing to grow substantially more. I'm not sure where this is going to end up in 10 years. But anyway, moving on to the next question. The next question was, um, would, I, would I be impeded into getting uh, along inside an HBS course if I, at some point, chose to get certified by one of the vultures? And that's a difficult question for me to answer. It's a difficult question for my team to have to deal with because if you're that impressionable to begin with, to listen to somebody who's clearly, who clearly is talking like they know what they're talking about, but they don't actually know what they're talking about, um, how do we know in, our, in my community that you're not going to get distracted by the next guy in the community who's essentially doing the same thing? That, that's that's the, the, the tough part of my job. That's the tough part of F.P., It's like if you've decided to dabble into these other certification methods or these other uh, methodologies and you got certified in them, because really, I mean, why do most people choose to not do functional patterns? The main reason is it's more expensive. It's going to cost more money to do it. If it was cheaper, people would do it immediately. If it was, and not just because it's expensive, but because it requires more commitment. When people come in with me, it's not like, Hey, look, bro, uh, you know, go ahead and, um, and, live dysfunctionally and then represent me. Who's try- a person who's trying to live functionally. It doesn't work that way. If you come into FP, there's a, a, a great expectation on my end from the very top for you to live in a very functional manner. And so it's not just the money alone. It's just because I don't, I don't, my prices are only going up as I go f- further forward because I, I genuinely don't want to bring in people who are, I, I'd, I'd rather filter the people out who are looking for the shortcuts. Say, Hey, look, that other certification course costs, one-fourth of the amount or one-third of the amount of what Functional Patterns has to offer. And Functional Patterns has like five to eight tiers of certification levels. Do I really want to expend that much money over the next probably five to 10 years so I can actually learn how to (laughs) regenerate, which is probably the most valuable thing that you could do as a practitioner? And then never mind that as a trainer, you could like change other people's lives. But I understand there's a commitment. But at the same time, is if a per, if a person decides to say, you know what, hey Naudi, um, uh, you know I, I, I learned my my ways, I'm I'm not going to get sucked in by a vulture anymore, uh, then we might we're going to be open to, to bringing you in. But just keep in mind that uh, what, what people don't realize is that every decision that they make has a consequence. I took a very controversial tone a while back, and l- let me put it this way: I, I took a controversial tone, and I gained a, a certain reputation for it. But it, it it made no difference on whether people were going to try functional patterns or not. I'll give you guys an example of this. Like I was I was inflammatory, and so a, a common problem that, a common theme that would pop up from people was that uh, somebody would recommend functional patterns. That person would end up looking at the social media account. They would see me. Um, chopping up other methods into pieces like yoga and pilates and stretching and the weightlifting and the olympic lifting and they would say you know he's just too negative i don't want to do it and i would always when somebody would prompt me with that i'm like that's nonsense what that person is simply trying to do is give you, give you an easy give themselves an easy excuse to not have to investigate what it is that i'm getting into so they can go right back to living a dysfunctional way a dysfunctional lifestyle there we go. So they can go back to having their lifestyle-based uh, system. And uh, sure enough, the other day, I had a, a close friend of mine who was, you know, who's always recommending functional patterns to people. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not inflammatory now. You guys will see how I am on social media. I'm completely non inflammatory. I try and minimize my judgment towards others uh, for the most part, almost entirely. I'm doing the best that I can with it. The difficulty with with being functional is it's hard not to acknowledge all the dysfunction in the society. But anyway, um, this person never gets that excuse anymore. They just this person will tell people, hey, uh, you should go check out functional patterns. And they just never get around to it. Whereas before, when I was controversial, they would get around to it and say, you know, he's just too controversial. I don't know if I want to be around that. So really, it was just a cop out. They were just looking for a cop out to say, you know what, I want to end this conversation permanently um, and, uh, the way that I will end that conversation quickly is by just saying, you know what, now he's too negative and that's why I won't do functional patterns. But, uh, I've, in my life, I've, I've dealt with a lot of struggles, uh, with people because, uh, you know, there still came struggles with me being controversial. The, the, the point is that the, because I, I deviated on the topic a little bit. Whatever choices you make are going to have some kind of a consequence to the people that are around you. And if you make a decision, if, if at some point people lose confidence in who I am or lose faith in who I am and the, and the community around me isn't losing faith because they see who I am, what I'm about, clearly how passionate I am about what I do, and, uh, and that somebody else in their perspectives was foolish enough to bounce and just be like, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this like, or I want to go do this other certification, you know, there's going to be the consequence of people saying, well, you lost the faith, bro, but it's not a big deal. Like, I don't really care, man. I don't hold any animosity towards anybody, man. I don't really care. Like, it's not my thing. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't hold grudges with people, man. Like, that's, that's my biggest thing. And so to this individual that asked that question, because I know you're probably watching this, uh, this, this, uh, this podcast, um, it's not that we need to find a way to forgive one another. It's like, do we still got to share this planet with each other to some extent? And uh, like, I'm, I'm not a violent person. And so on my end, if, if I could find ways to reach common ground, then I'm all for it. But then that goes into this complicated situation where it's like, okay, where does accountability come into this and how much accountability do people want? And in our world, you know, people don't like accountability that much. They, they opt To not have accountability than uh, to have it. I'll give myself a little more juice here. Probably end up being a little bit of a smoke pit again, but let's see if we can get this bad boy started. If I could even get this guy started. It's got it. All right. We're good. I'm going to keep this thing close to me this time around. All right. <laughs> okay. That's That's not, that's not going to happen again. Jesus Christ. Um, accountability. Let's go back to accountability. Um, the, the problem with trying to like get people in FP is at some point they have to succumb to functional behavior. And a dysfunctional person can't succumb to dysfunctional behavior without having to deal with like extreme levels of awkwardness, simply speaking, like they can't. And so if I don't, if I don't create systems of accountability for people that, that force them to recognize where their sticking points are and where they need to make adjustments, then, um, I can't like, there's only so much that I can do for them. Going back to this whole idea of of a futuristic society, the, the problem is that people want to live in a utopian uh, vision. They want to live in a, in a society that seems to function well. But we, but the biggest problem is that when when they think about like living in a futuristic society, they assume that all accountability gets thrown out the window. Like if we live in if we were to live in a futuristic society. The main thing that people have to recognize is that there, there would be more responsibilities, not less responsibilities in a future society. You have to be much more intelligent, much more aware of more things in a futuristic society, not less aware. And what it looks like to me is that when most people think about wanting to solve their problems, what they assume is that when you solve your problems is that you have less problems and not that, you know, you develop the intelligence to deal with more problems because that's what we're going to have we're going to have more problems. And especially as we reach this great transition from type zero to type one, there's going to be lots of problems. And what I try and do is help people deal with those problems. So when that time comes that, you know, you're, you are being replaced by a machine in the workforce. uh, You're not going to feel uh, as bad about yourself. You'll, You'll kind of be able to understand uh, more of your place in the world and, and what, you're, what you should expect of yourself and what you should expect of others. So yeah, the, the, the world requires more responsibility if we become more intelligent or more sophisticated altogether. And uh, when people want to come in to my world, when they've lost the faith, uh, or not lost the faith, they, when they want a shortcut, they're like, oh, look, the functional patterns system Seems a little bit too uh, requires too much commitment. Let me go do this other system that requires less commitment. They only have two certification programs or two certification levels, and then at that point, I can call myself this uh, qualified uh, practitioner in, in this uh, system. Um, that's a, that's for those of you that aren't in uh, in in the FP community. Obviously, this this dialogue is not for you. But if at some point you want to get certified, really do your best to to. Understand what a vulture is and and try not to, like, partake in the vulture games. Like, don't feed into the vultures. Try try seeing if you can read between the lines and be like, look, this person is doing something that seems similar, but it doesn't get results. They don't get continuous results. They don't seem to be regenerating anybody. And, and keep in mind, like, I, I think it's better that we have vultures doing things similar to what functional patterns does than uh, obviously having uh, people... Who um, like are doing like back squats and deadlifts and whatnot? So it's still there's still progress there, but if you're they're, they're, what I want you guys to really consider is that there's a spectrum to functionality, right? So you're either gonna go like you know you want to be like you know what Naudi, like here's one end of the spectrum, here's the opposite end of the spectrum. Here we have like a complete drug addict, meth addict, every drug imaginable. Somebody who's abusing every drug they can who or like is a sex addict everything that's one end of the functional spectrum and then on the opposite end you have somebody who's like like literally mapping out every behavior that they have and then like adjusting in relation to the environment to have uh, better reactions to it so then they can have like more uh, functional physiology so if we if we have a spectrum of that i'm over here man that's where i'm at and so what people don't recognize is that if if i'm over here like uh, and you're over, you're like somewhere in between, like this isn't going to work. This is not going to work. You got to get in where you fit in ultimately. So when people come to me and they say, Nowy, I want to get certified. They're already like, they've made this decision and say, you know what, dude, I don't want all that stuff that's on the other side, man. I don't want, I don't want to endogenously cope or exogenously cope with substances to hopefully get through my days. I want to actually command my brain. I want to train my brain to tell my body what it. I want to train my brain to listen to my body, to listen to my cells. I want this dialogue to happen between this whole thing, and not just have like partial dialogue. Like I I want to know what controlling this thing is, and in order to really do it the right way, that you the right way, you have to commit yourself to functionality altogether. If you're somewhere in between, it's not going to work. This stuff will not work. That's why I always advise people. If, if you're one of these people, which is not one of these people, if you're part of this, this growing group of people that say, now I want to get certified. What do I need to do? First step in the math the first step that you can take, obviously 10 week online course has got to be it because that's going to ultimately like change the way that your mechanics, how your mechanics work. But, but before, even before that happens, you got to start asking yourself how much of the aspects of my life are dysfunctional? How dysfunctional am I? Right am like, how, how much of what I do throughout my day is actually regenerative and how much of it is degenerative? And if the majority of what you're doing de- throughout the day is degenerative and then you want to go do something, you want to fit in with a group of people or somebody like myself or represent me in a way or learn from me, somebody who s- sticks to this as much as he can while you're still doing that stuff over there, then it's not going to work. If you're out there like looking at Instagram booties or whatever and you're you're clicking like on like, sexualize things or you're clicking like on people living like lives of, of complete debauchery, like I, I I don't want to teach you because you're not ready to learn. You're, you're not primed to actually take the lessons, the most important lessons. And I think that the, the, the biggest predicament that most people don't realize they're under is that they're when they're trying to change their mechanics or like employ functional patterns methods is that they need to alter the way that they, their brain functions. They have to alter the way that they think. And it's what they want least. I mean, think about it. I mean, if if you if all your business networks, if all your friendships and and uh, and your your job associations and whatnot are built around dysfunctions, like you know, you go out and you go get drunk with your co-workers and whatnot, then what what's that going to lead to? You know, like something like functional patterns not being the the thing that you want to do after work. You might go and do uh, go to some group class where you're throwing around weights and whatnot and you guys go grab a beer together and if that's where you're at that's fine i just i just don't i'd rather not be around people like that and i'm sure there's a lot of people in fp who 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 feel the exact same way that i do you know you try and make friends like people in fp oftentimes you're like you know what i feel like the more i get into functional patterns the more difficult it becomes to have friendships with people and i'm like yeah obviously like they're still over here. You've made some realizations that bring you to the perspective of like, you know what? I want to leave a, live a clean lifestyle and be healthy. Functional. I want to be functional. Functionality and health. Functionality is a more fundamental way of looking at health. So when you start moving yourself into moving into a functional direction, of course you're going to start breaking up ties, breaking ties with previous friends and, and relatives or whatever. It's difficult because our society is still heavily oriented around dysfunction. Until our economic system respects function, this is going to be a continual problem for people. So, um, yeah, I guess that's about it. Is there anything else I should probably discuss, Pablo, from what you saw on those questions or whatever? What do you think? Maybe we'll cover one more topic if it seems to be relatable. I think next time I'll get a little bit more political talking about like Trump and Biden. See what my thoughts are on that, because I have a few people that have asked me questions on that. Actually, you know what? I guess I'll get into that because I've, I've, I've had some people mentioned that to me, like my, what they, they, they talked about my uh, like what my thoughts are on uh, on on the Trump Biden election. And I'm just kind of like, look, man, I, I don't think that presidents have that much of an impact on what on where the world goes outside of what their demeanor, uh, uh, I guess, Outside of, of, of the influence that their demeanor puts onto society from a psychological standpoint. So let me put it this way. If I tend to be brash as a leader of a group, the odds are the people in my group are going to tend to be more brash. That's how it is. If I tend to be more calm, if, I have a, if I'm have if i leading people, the people are going to tend to be more calm, more stoic. When you have somebody like Donald Trump, and this is my qualm with Donald Trump, is I think he, what he's done with China off the chain i like what he's doing with what he's done with china in terms of like really saying hey man we're going to keep you a check you know you shouldn't be like putting people in concentration camps that's not right um you know if if, if we can't have facebook in china you shouldn't be able to have tiktok here you know those types of things like if you know tiktok is a chinese-based company which i believe it is um then yeah like things need to be fair and so on my end, what I, I agree with the way that he went about North Korea. I told people about this a while ago where I'm like, he's playing a game of poker right now. And, you know, Kim Jong-un, it's like there's a reason his health is suffering really badly right now. And it's because Donald Trump did that to him. And so it's like in many regards, Donald Trump has done some good things. And so I'm not a person that has Trump derangement syndrome where I think, you know, that guy only does bad things. Uh, I think that, you know, there's good things about him. But all that stuff is overshadowed by the fact that he just destabilizes people. If, if I could just have him do what he does at, at some level, and there's things that I don't agree with uh, in terms of environmental things or whatever, uh, but uh, it's, it, this whole idea that he has to be uh, right all the time or that he always has to sell himself and, and be this like uh, like super controversial figure when he's the president of... The world, essentially, he sets the tone that to me is concerning because essentially if he ends up having this uh, this attitude, the people will either reflect the society is going to reflect that. You're either going to have people on the opposite side wanting to fight him violently, passionately, and you're going to have the people that are uh, against the people that are fighting against him, opposing him fight even just as viciously. So the next thing you know, what do you end up having? People bickering and fighting and arguing, focusing on nonsense when we could be actually like, if if politics gets boring, if athletics gets boring, like when I when I watch athletics, I always hope that the most boring guy most of the time ends up winning. Like if it's an MMA, if a person doesn't have a personality, a good personality, and they're uh, they're uh, uh, like a good fighter, I usually root for them because whatever makes a sport more boring. Whatever makes something more boring forces people to find interesting things to do in their own life. And I feel that if, you know, Trump has made politics too interesting. And so now uh, we're in a situation where it's like, you know, you have riots everywhere and all this. And I just think it's, it's unfortunate. And so my, my, my take on it is that uh, I, if, if I'm rich and I don't want to get taxed, then I'm going to find tax loopholes uh, when, when there's a Democrat in office, because the, the Democrats usually raise taxes. If I'm a Republican, then I might pay t- taxes only because I'm paying a, a lower uh, percentile. It's like, you can make an adjustment if you have money either way, just don't report as much profit. So it's like, if, if rich people can make that adjustment based upon how taxation works and how you can evade taxes, then what does it really matter? What president is there? Really, what it comes down to for me is that it's like he, the the president is literally a figurehead. But the demeanor of that figurehead plays a lot into what our personal behaviors are. Because you're going to have, you know, people on both sides that are either going to reflect the behavior of the president or they're going to fight against that behavior. And the more polarizing the president is, the more problematic it is. So on my end, um, I'm I'm pulling for Biden. I hope he wins. I've, I've been back and forth. But then I think like, man, do we really need another Guy like that, Do we really need Trump around for another four years? Like, do we... Does this really need to happen? And the honest truth is... It shouldn't happen. <laughs> I, I can't believe it ever happened. Anyway... I think that's all... Uh, about all I got for tonight. I think this fire should be out here pretty soon. The hell? What kind of insect is that? God, those guys are annoying. I wish I had my tongs or I'd throw them in the fire. Um. Anyway... That will conclude episode four. That was an interesting one, especially with the plumes of smoke coming in my face. I'll try and account for that the next time. Um, But anyway, if you guys have questions, uh, keep in mind, I want you guys to also keep this in mind. Uh, If you guys have questions, drop them in the comments. If not, try leaving words of support. I'm not the kind of guy that tries to politely ask you to click like because I know how important this information is. So what I'm going to try and do is give you a little bit of... uh, pressure and tell you, Hey dude, like, um, if you don't support methods like these or methods of analysis like these, what kind of a world are you supporting? What is it that you, what kind of world do you want to see flourish? And so what I try and remind my subscribers to do is to get interactive that if you like this video and you found any of it to be useful, like actually hit that like button. If you, um, found a part of the video that seemed to be relevant, Point it out. Be like, I really like this part of the video where now he talked about this at this timestamp. Put it out there so somebody else can see that in the comment section because people are going to be scrolling through that. Um, and if, if you just found it to be like helpful for you, then write, then then like talk about it in the comment section. Share it with a friend on Facebook or Instagram, whatever. Do whatever you can to spread the word out there, because ultimately, you know, we can talk about democracy all we want, but capitalism really is the real democracy. Where we put our money and what we put our we invest our time and our money into is really what ends up flourishing in our society. Democracy is kind of more of an illusion. It's capitalism that really is our 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 saving grace in all this. Money talks, and capitalism is the way that we, you know, we deal with resource allocation, and money is like the the symbol that helps us deal with resource allocation. And so, uh, your time, and then remember, time is money. So what you choose to put your time into, what you choose to invest your your thoughts into, what you choose to interact with on social media will ultimately be the determinant of where our society goes. So screw Trump, screw Biden, screw the pol- political system. If you're here with me right now, click like. Get involved. Don't be on the sidelines. I'm not asking you for much. I've spent all this time trying to get these, these camera systems and this lighting system and whatnot and, and trying to do what I'm doing and then never mind that, trying to be coherent so I can speak for you. Uh, it's not much on my end and I'm not asking for it. I'm just imploring. I'm not imploring. I'm just saying, this is an option in life. You ask for what you want to see in the world. If you want to sit here and keep entertaining ideals that keep us uh, exogenously uh, looking for uh, for comp- compensatory uh, solutions for problems, then by all means, you can uh, continue to keep uh, doing that. Uh, But if you want to actually solve the problems and become functional, then you guys know what to support. I'm out. the narratives that permeate through every facet of our society cumbersome and found the information on this video helpful be sure to interact with this youtube channel and our other social media outlets keep in mind that in the modern age those likes comments and shares go a very long way in painting new narratives that may be helpful to the world on multiple levels my goal is to promote functionality on a general scale And if that's what you would like to see, the more you engage, the faster we get the world on board with this method of approaching life. If you haven't subscribed to this channel, make sure you do so and hit that notification bell to be notified of future videos. All the best.